Illumio is a leader in security segmentation. Prevent the spread of breaches and meet regulatory compliance requirements inside your data center and in the cloud. Find out more at Illumio.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. I am your host, Scott Lowe. Thank you so much for listening. My goal today on the podcast is, as always, to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies present in today's data centers and cloud environments. In this episode, we're going to take a bit of a break from talking about specific technologies or talking to folks about their uh, technology career transitions. We're going to focus instead on the challenges of working remotely or working from home. As I'm sure most every listener is aware, the world is currently dealing with a bit of a health crisis with the coronavirus pandemic, and many companies have advised their employees to begin working from home in an effort to reduce the spread of the sickness and to protect those uh, in society whose bodies may not be able to um, fight off the sickness as well as others. So in this episode, I've gathered four different guests who will share with me their experiences in dealing with the challenges and the benefits and rewards of working from home. So with that in mind, let's get started and have a chat with our first guest. So one of the guests that I decided to bring on the show to talk about their experience in working remotely or working from home is uh, Puya Abbasi from Giant Swarm. Puya, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, Real quick, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself to the listeners of the show? Sure. I'm Puya. I'm with Transform from pretty much the beginning. I do uh, product and developer relations, and uh, that's pretty much me. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. And Giant Swarm is a Kubernetes company. Is that right? Right. Yeah. We do manage Kubernetes for uh, enterprises, basically. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Well, you and I will have to chat later because, you know, I'm into that whole Kubernetes thing these days. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so one of the things that I have heard other folks say, and I'd be interested to get your perspective, is that when you start working from home, uh, if you are working from, as a, uh, working from home as opposed to just working in some sort of remote location, is that it can be challenging or hard to sort of separate your work life and your home life. You know, now that you are sitting in your house every day working, um, I've heard folks have a hard time sort of disconnecting from work and they end up you know, maybe overworking or working too many hours and, uh, or maybe it's the other way around and they end up doing you know, errands around the house while they're supposed to be working. Um, has that been an issue for you? And if so, how did, how did you address that? I've definitely seen seen both. Uh, I've I've realized that when I don't work uh, enough, it's usually not that I'm not not in uh, in a in a. I think it's it's mainly because then I'm maybe not motivated to do it, and maybe I need to find the the core reason why why I'm not really present here and. Maybe I need to just take some time off because um, I think it's it's good if you have the flexibility to just say okay I go I go and do like two hours of sports now and then I come back and then maybe I have more uh, energy and I will just get to to my work. Um, what helps me just taking off work is I have a family, so there's some extrinsic motivation to just tell me stop working now, play with me, or have dinner with us. Um, that helps definitely a lot. Yeah, I could certainly see where, you know, you might have, um, and I don't know uh, if the extrinsic thing was, you know, a kid, right, that says, come play with me. But I could yes. certainly see where, you know, a young child coming in and saying, Daddy, play with me. You know, kind of, you know, that signal to, okay, it's time for me to take a break from work and, and maybe do that. Um, 
But uh, okay, great. So, uh, you know, the, the answer for you was making sure that your motivation and your energy levels were right. And for you being able to say, Hey, I'm going to take an hour or two in the middle of the day, maybe to go, you know, do a workout or go spend some time with the family or go for a walk or whatever, and then come back has really helped with that. And then you've got that external, you know, um, motivator, right. Um, AKA your, your kids saying, okay, it's time to stop work now. And that's, and that's, what's been working for you. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So one of the other, um, questions I'm asking all of the guests on the show is, is what's one thing that you have learned working remotely that you, you know, now, right. But you didn't know when you first started and looking back on it, you really wish, you know, I had known this thing when I first started instead of learning it, you know, at some point later on, is there something like that for you? Yeah, I think the the first time I started working from home was when I was living in China and I was working for a university. And I thought I'm really bad at self-discipline because I was I was slacking. I was not getting getting my stuff done, and uh, I was not writing my papers. And it turned out when I uh, joined a company that is really motivating me to to work on on the issues that I get assigned to, and I can I can actually uh, choose my own things. Then I'm I'm quite uh, uh, disciplined, and I I will work, um, and I only need to stop myself and. Uh, so it was not really about self-discipline. It was much more about motivation that, uh, that, that I was either working or not working. So is there, you know, something that perhaps maybe, you know, listeners could take away from that, um, you know, for you, it was motivation. It was saying, okay, I'm, I'm really engaged in what I'm doing and I want to make sure that I'm essentially doing the right thing, if you will. Right. Sometimes, right. you know, we don't have that opportunity, right? You know, we have to do what we have to do, right? I wonder if there's a takeaway from that. Is it, is it a matter of, you know, maybe adjusting our mindset a little bit in terms of, you know, uh, looking at a, at, a, at a situation differently in order to create that motivation? Perhaps is that something that would work for, you know, workers who formerly were in the office and maybe could up their energy levels by talking to coworkers and now they don't have that, Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think one of them, one of it is 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 looking at it from a different uh, angle, and also not just um, not not feeling bad if if there is like a day where you're not as productive as you would like to be, because um, you get in a vicious circle of oh, I'm I'm not good, I'm not a good uh, remote worker, I cannot concentrate. It's uh, the, the, the more you think about that, you more, the more you, you tell yourself that, the more um, uh, your, your motivation and your discipline goes down. And I think uh, stepping out of it and, and uh, looking at it from a different angle and seeing and trying to find um, what it is that would help you maybe um, focus a bit more. And uh, maybe you don't need to work that long, but maybe you get your, your things done faster. So um, there is things that you can do in between to, to get yourself motivated to, to continue working. Gotcha. Okay. That's very good. And I think that will be something that folks who are new to remote work will really have to wrestle with. And that is, you know, Hey, this thing takes a little bit to get accustomed to. Don't beat myself up too much, you know, recognize yeah. that, that I have things that I need to learn and, and, and tips and tricks that'll make me more effective and give yourself you know, for lack of a, of a better term, a little bit of forgiveness there. Yes, definitely. Um, so 
One of the other things that um, I have found in my own experience is that some companies are really good at supporting remote workers and some companies are not so good at supporting remote workers. And, um, and so I'm just wondering, I, I think in, if I understand correctly, Giant Swarm is, you know, 100% remote. So everybody's remote. There's no central office. But I wonder, are there, are there things that you guys um, had to do or, or what are the things you do to kind of help um, foster a, a sense of belonging and a sense of inclusion for everyone uh, that maybe, um, you know, others could take away and say, hey, let, let's try and replicate this at my company? Yeah, yeah. The, the typical thing that you're missing is like this this water cooler talk, right? The the creativity that comes from just uh, not directly talking about work, but just hanging out at the coffee bar or uh, at lunch. And what we did over time, we we introduced um, many many more uh, off topic Slack channels, uh, basically internal social media and channels where you can post uh, funny things and talk about anything. But we also introduced, and this sounds weird to most people, is we introduced uh, online lunches. So we, we do lunches with the company together on Thursdays um, where everyone either really eats or just sits in front of their computer and hangs out. And it's uh, just a time where we, we talk about a lot of personal things. And um, if there's too many people, we might split it to like two or three tables. Uh, with bigger companies, you might have uh, the need from the beginning. I think there is tools like uh, Donut that, that team you up and uh, just split you up into rooms. Um, that helped us a lot. Um, and still, there is a need for personal contact. And we, we try to have at least two times a year uh, on-sites, basically, the, the, because we have no, no real sites. So our off-sites are called on-sites basically. And we meet two times a year and uh, don't actually work in that week, but uh, spend time together and try to uh, just talk about about things. And usually they're very creative. Most of the creative new ideas oftentimes get uh, get initiated at those uh, in those days and on those times when we're not really focusing on actually getting work done. Gotcha. Okay. Well, those are some good tips that I think um, other listeners may be able to take back to their own companies. You know, the off-topic Slack channels is a great one just to foster, um, you know, a sense of belonging and a sense of, of you know, knowing your coworkers. I think is a great, a great, great uh, suggestion. Um, real quick before we go, uh, Puya, if somebody wants to follow you online, um, you know, where can they where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on most uh, networks, uh, GitHub, Twitter, anything. Uh, Puya one hundred eight, P U J A one hundred eight. All right. Perfect. Well, thanks for getting on the show today, Puya. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll get you on a future episode to talk about some cool Kubernetes stuff. Cool. See ya. All right. Thanks. Thank you. To share her experience in working from home or working remotely for a while, I also had the opportunity to speak with Lisa Kaywood. Lisa, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. So how long have you been uh, working from home? Yeah, so I've, I've probably had sort of four different types of working from home scenarios um, with different companies, different organizations, um, and they've all been very different experiences. Um, so when I worked at Cisco, I was on campus pretty much every day, but um, campus, um, the campus, even just at, in, in San Jose, is extremely distributed, so virtually all meetings are teleconferences anyway. Um, so there was that. 
Um, I worked at Brocade for several years, um, which had a very, very campus-centric and in-person kind of um, culture. Um, however, I, um, I managed to break both wrists and was not able to get to work for about a month. Um, and so I was, I was sort of the lone person dialing into many meetings, and that was a very different type of situation. I then worked for the Linux Foundation for a couple of two, th two three years. Um, Linux Foundation is remote first. And uh, now I work for Juniper, which is sort of somewhere in between Cisco and, and Brocade in, in, its, in its culture. Obviously, now we're pretty much all working from home. But um, that was kind of one of the things that I negotiated when I, when I joined Juniper was I said, look, you know, working from home has been the best thing that's happened for me and my family for quite a while. And I really would like to keep that. Is that OK? And, you know, the guy who recruited me, who was also a remote employee, said, I don't care come in for the first three months, get to know people. And after that, I don't care as long as the work gets done. So that's, uh, that's quite the range. And, and, uh, I do want to come back and touch on the, the campus centric, uh, sort of mentality in a moment, but, um, in addition to the challenge of getting accustomed to working remotely, which I think, you know, there may be a fair number of listeners who are not accustomed to that. Um, I think now with the announcement of lots of school districts closing in order to protect students from the further spread of, um, the coronavirus. Uh, I think people who work from home are also going to deal with, you know, okay, what do I do with my kids now? And I'm wondering if you um, have run into that or have any thoughts on that. It's actually something that I didn't think about because all my kids are grown and my youngest mm -hmm. is in college, right? So yeah. I haven't given any thought. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, you know, so there were many times when my kids were young um, when, um, I was the one who could work from home if I needed to. Um, my husband works for a, a defense contractor, and so all of his work has to be done in the office. Um, so I'd be the one home with them. And um, you know what? They got plugged into the television for a day or two while they were sick, and they knew that when mom was on the phone, they had to be quiet. Um, and that was something that they were trained to from a very, very young age. Now, if you haven't been training your kids all along with that, and you haven't, I don't know what you've been doing when they get sick, but... Um, you know, now's the time to sit down and have that conversation with them. Um, you know what, if they're plugged into screens for three weeks, it's, it's not the best thing in the world. It's probably not the worst thing in the world in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, I've already told my kids, we, we just got notice about two hours ago that our, our schools are going to close down for three, three weeks. And so I just marched out and told all my kids that they're going to be, you know, taking the dog out for walks for multiple times a day. They're going to be doing loops around the, the block. They're going to be, you know, jogging at least once or twice a day. They're going to be getting full amount of fresh air and exercise that we can provide them. Um, so that should help head off, you know, siblings squabbling and things like that. They're older now. I mean, two of them are in high school and one's in middle school, but, um, you know, being cooped up in a, in a, in a house with anybody for extended periods of time can, can wear on people. So I think getting outside is going to be important. Um, but it's just, you know, everybody kind of needs to understand the parameters and, you know, when you're on the phone, you're on the phone. Um, one of, you know, my, my current boss who has been a remote employee for many years, when her daughter was young, she knew that she wasn't allowed to talk when her mom was on the phone. So she'd come in and she'd write notes, you know, can I, can I go to so-and-so's house? And she'd have a, like a little yes or no. And her mom could point it to the yes or no. Um, and so that was how she managed things. Um, 
but I think it's just, you know, setting expectations. And, and also at the same time, you know, we've, we've all had times when somebody's dog starts barking in the background and it's now we're going to have kids, you know, barking in the background and, and, you know, you just kind of have to be understanding because of the situation too. So, yeah, sure. I think this is a great time to exercise a little, um, uh, you know, grace, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, to, uh, to understand that this is a challenging time for, for most everyone. And we're all dealing with things that perhaps are a little bit different, uh, you know, kids being home from school and us working from home when maybe we weren't uh, typically doing that. So if you can, if you can extend some forgiveness and some leeway to your coworkers, as everybody settles in, that's certainly going to be appreciated. Um, I'm curious, um, what are your thoughts on, on like, in terms of structuring, you know, someone's time now that, you know, we, we are facing this situation with kids being home, you know, do you think, uh, workers are going to have to go to this sort of thing where, like, you know, Hey, I'm going to work for a few hours. And then I got to take a break for a couple hours to be with the kids and then work for a few hours and then break. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, the typical, you know, go to work eight hours and get done sort of thing. Although that may not be all that typical anymore, but you know what I mean? Um, so I have actually found in my time as a full-time remote employee that I actually, I've, you know, a lot of people have been worried about, you know, not being able to buy bound their work time. And, you know, maybe I'm working now at, at home or in the evenings or whatever, but, you know, maybe you were, you were probably working at home in the evenings anyway, even, even when you were working in the office, I know I did. Um, I've actually found that because I'm not spending, you know, two plus hours on the road every day, I actually get more of my work done during work hours. Um, and so I really don't work in the evenings, um, as a remote employee, although I did when I worked in the office, um, that with, but with kids home, I think it's especially important to kind of bound the day a little bit, you know, you know, breakfast will be at 8am and you know, you can be there at 8am if you want me to fix your breakfast or you can fix your own breakfast. Lunch will be at noon. You can either be there at noon or you can fix your own lunch. Um, and you know, again, my kids are old enough that they can understand that if your kids are littler, you may have to be a little bit more flexible and, you know, again, beg forgiveness from, from your, from your coworkers and em employers. But, um, I think having that structure and, you know, having the expectation that the kids are going to go walk the dog at certain times and be dressed by certain times and, you know, maintaining that structure, I think is, is probably going to be key for everybody to just kind of keep moving forward. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that's an excellent point to think about. You know, we have these external factors that, that kind of force us into a schedule. I have to get the kids ready for school or I have to, you know, go pick them up or whatever. Right now that's not going to be there. So I think folks are going to need to um, impose their own internal, if you will, structure to the day and, and make sure that things continue to happen. And, and it, it just helps, you know, all the way around. Yeah. So, you know, if you haven't already been, you know, aggressively preserving your lunch hour, even while you were at work, now's the time to do it, especially if you have kids at home. Just block it now, block it on your calendar, um, inform everybody, this is the time that I'm going to be at lunch and I'm going to be, you know, I have to take care of my kids or whatever and just block it in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Now, before we wrap up, I do want to come back to your mention earlier of, you know, of a very campus centric sort of mentality. And I've, I've worked in organizations like that. And so I'm just curious, you know, your thoughts, like uh, as a remote worker or even as a manager who maybe has been managing remote workers, you know, how important is it to have that support of the organization in order to be effective? You know, and, and I, I, 
I would love to have more time. We don't today, unfortunately. I don't have more time to talk about that, and maybe we can explore that in a future episode. But I'm just curious as how challenging it was for you in that very campus-centric organization to be a remote worker and how much of a bummer it was to break both wrists. Wow. <laughs> It was a really dumb, dumb accident too. I, I managed to. We have a, a raised um, floor divider between our kitchen and our, our dining room, and I managed to trip over it backwards in high heels. Oh it was wow! The Ginger Roger moment, except not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I mean, you know, my my management was perfectly understanding and supportive. I mean, obviously, you know, I came in and I, you know, propped up my 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 my, my dual casts on my on my boss's cube and said, "Hi, I'm not going to be able to, to come in for, for you know for a month anymore." Um, and so they were perfectly understanding. The challenge was really that um, because everybody else was in a room together, you know, there there's a lot of. Um, you know, there's, there's crosstalk, there's people doing side conversations, there, there are sort of visual cues that are available to people in the room that aren't available to people on the phone. So if, if everybody in the meeting is on the phone, um, it, you know, everybody's sort of on equal footing and everybody's communicating in the same way. If you're the only person who's, um, you know, dialing in remotely, um, not because anybody is trying to exclude you, it just sort of happens naturally because they're used to operating, um, you know, in a, in a person first in person kind of way. Um, and so that's hard to like stop and, you know, actively translate for somebody who's on the phone. Um, especially if you're in the midst of a conversation with, you know, multiple people joining in. So it's just, you know, when there was the, when, because I lived close enough to, to campus, you know, there were a couple times when I just, I took a lift and I, I, I went into the office for, for meetings where it really made sense for me to be there in person. Um, and, you know, I've just you know, talked to my boss ahead of time and said, you know, do you mind if I expense these things? If I, if there's something I really ought to come in for, she's like, that's fine. Um, cause you know, it was exceptional circumstances. Um, and that's, that's how I handled it. But, you know, it's just, it's just being a little bit more cognizant, I think of, of your, of your remote friends. And if you're in that, that type of environment. Yeah, that's fair. You made a good point. You know, in this, in this situation where we find ourselves now, most everyone will be on the phone and there won't necessarily be a big group in an office and a few folks on the phone. I mean, you might, you might run into that, but I think by and large, it's going to be mostly everybody will be remote and therefore mostly everyone's on equal footing and it may not be as much of a challenge, but I think it's worth, you know, just reminding folks to try and be cognizant, be aware of you know, the additional challenges that a fully remote meeting presents or a partially remote, partially in an office uh, meeting uh, represents. Well, yeah. thanks. Thanks so much, Lisa, for hopping on. I really appreciate your time. Um, if folks want to try and connect with you online, is there a, a way they can do that? I'm at Real Lisa C on Twitter, and that's probably the best way to reach me. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. We're pausing the conversation for a brief word about today's sponsor, Illumio. Organizations use Illumio to stop lateral movement everywhere. With Illumio, you get a single platform for visibility and control across any data center and the cloud. Illumio stops lateral movement using its Adaptive Security Platform, or ASP. With ASP, you can see how your applications communicate, get insights into vulnerability exposures, and then take control. Illumio helps you create security segmentation policies that work on bare metal, virtual machines, and containers. Seamlessly protect workloads wherever they go, however your business grows. Achieve regulatory compliance, securely migrate applications to the cloud, and overcome data center and cloud security challenges. Find out more at Illumio.com. That's Illumio.com. And now, back to the podcast.
Also joining me to talk about the challenges of working remotely uh, or working from home, as the case may be, um, is Simon Crosby. Simon, how are you? Hey, Scott. Great to be with you again. Hey, I appreciate it. Uh, I, I am super thrilled to have you here and definitely want to uh, see about maybe getting you on for a, a show that's all about you know what you're doing these days, which is what? Tell, tell listeners about you and what you're doing these days. Cool. Thank you. Well, I'm CTO at Swim.ai. Um, I've graduated from hypervisors like you. Um, and uh, Swim, the way you think of Swim is kind of like it's LinkedIn for things um, in the sense that we build models from data. So large amounts of streaming data from the edge of things, whatever it happens to be. We build models on the fly, and those models are stateful concurrent entities, little um, objects, um, and they analyze their own data and the data from things around them, so that they're linked to, and they come up with astounding insights on the fly. So it's all about computing on the fly, learning and predicting on the fly without storing the data and then doing it later. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to work out a schedule to get you back for a show to talk about that. But for now, let's focus on talking about this working remotely thing, um, you know, which I've been doing for a while and it sounds like you've been doing for a while as well. Um, if you had to pick sort of like one thing that was your biggest challenge as you first started working remotely, what what would that be? So I think there's a big difference between engineers working remotely um, and people who are outwardly focused. I'm a CTO, and CTO jobs really, at least in my my kind of CTO, um, are heavily communication-based. So I'm always talking to somebody. I'm pitching the company to a customer or to the press or maybe talking to a, a new hire to get them to believe in the vision we'll be doing or just bringing information back inside. So the hardest thing is staying in touch. Gotcha. That makes sense. It's one thing for, you know, a software developer where she's off writing code and, and, you know, largely, you know, isolated or insulated and, you know, probably an introvert anyway. <laughs> right. And another thing for right. somebody like yourself, outward focused, who really needs to be, you know, um, constantly communicating and sharing that vision and, and working with the engineering teams and, you know, working with customers, that kind of thing. Yes. And so, um, you know, I think of myself as a storyteller. And so basically what I have to do working remotely is just jump on the phone, jump on meetings, whatever, you know, thankfully, you know, communication on the web has gotten way better. So zoom or even Skype or, any of these tools, teams, they're all awesome. And um, so the experience is much better. The challenge, of course, is getting everybody in the room at the same time. There's no opportunity for just changing somebody who's at the, ne you know, the next desk over or whatever. Yeah. And certainly in startups, and I'm, I've spent the last, God, 20 years doing startups, um, you know, a huge amount of the communication is just that. It's, I would just don't communicate, I would just talk to a customer and they said this, you know, and just quickly getting information to everybody in a room. Um, it's a small company anyway. So that bit is way hard. 
Gotcha. So it sounds like for, for your role anyway, and, and probably for a fair number of other people for whom communication is a outbound communication is a key piece that tools like, you know, zoom Skype teams, you know, whatever that, that IP telephony sort of thing have been enormously helpful. Is there, uh, uh, you know, another tool or technology that you found just to be like, Hey, this has made my life from working remotely just so much better. Yeah. I mean, so Slack is awesome. I mean, yeah. Slack is, it's, you know, this ability to communicate with the smaller group instantly um, is really powerful and the same in teams. Um, it allows you to get this kind of asynchronous communication going without requiring everybody to get on a communication tool like Zoom or whatever, right? And that's just, it's the bomb. It's really critical. It's really important for passing on information you've learned, press stampings, whatever it happens to be. And then you can always just chit-chat and say, hey, let's get on a call. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And um, I, I, this, this last question I want to ask, I, I, I find the right way to phrase it, but you know, you're, you're in a position of, of leadership, right? You're a CTO for a startup. You're in a position of leadership and, and your primary role is sort of, you know, outbound, right? Um, and I say outbound as in yeah. outbound, you know, outbound yeah. to the engineering teams, outbound to the product management teams, that, that sort of thing. And then outbound yep. to customers as yes. well, right? Um, yep. So from your perspective as a leader and potentially as a manager too, I don't know if you have a reporting people, I assume you have people that report up to you as a management structure, but from your perspective as a, as a manager, as a leader, what are the things that companies can and should be doing to foster this remote culture, to, to properly include remote workers and make sure that, that, you know, they're not being excluded from the ad hoc meetings that tend to happen in a, in a big campus or something like that. By the way, I mean, ad hoc meetings that happen anyway in a larger organization, they just happen. But I think it's an opportunity for us to re-examine the, the rules of inclusion in general, right? And so I think it's, a, it's a quite, actually quite a cool opportunity for us to all think about how on a call we can make sure that everybody gets to say their piece. There are some people when they're on the end of a phone who talk forever, and that's just bloody annoying. Whereas they and they wouldn't do that in a physical setting because they'd see signals, nonverbal signals from other people, you know, saying enough. Um, and so there, are, you know, you have to practice that decorum and so on. But I think there's a really good opportunity to ensure that everybody is included and to. Um, re-examine the hygiene of that in our meetings in general. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, I know that, you know, using video uh, communications like, like Zoom or, or other equivalents can help provide a little bit of that nonverbal context, right? Um, but it's still not the same as an in-person meeting. And we still do need to be aware of of sort of, you know, not monopolizing the meeting and making sure that everyone can hear you if you're in a conference yeah. room and, you know, pausing to say, hey, folks that are on the phone, did you have any thoughts, you know, anything you wanted to add here, something like that? Yes. And what I've, you know, in normal communication, there's actually a fair amount of concurrent communication, even though you may not think so. People talk over each other, they send nonverbal signals, or it's the people in the room that decide. 
it's really important when you have distributed teams to make sure that everybody gets to say what they want to say and that they feel adequately represented. So really, I think that your role as a, as a facilitator is all the more important, right? Your, your job is inclusion and fair representation and finding a process to arrive at decisions um, which appropriately represents people's views. Yeah, the mention of that term facilitator is really important. Like when, when we start working with these highly distributed remote teams, it's that role of facilitation becomes much more important. But hey, you know, in the tech world, we've all been working with distributed teams in India or the UK or Israel or whatever anyway, right? So we're, we're getting used to it. I think it's harder for the rest of the economy where people just, they've never done, they just haven't done this before. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably fair. I think there's still, even though we have, you know, theoretically been doing it for quite a while, I think there's probably still room for improvement in a lot of ways, right? Oh, um, sure so. there is. And so what that tells you is that as the rest of the economy adopts this stuff, they're going to screw it up first time around. This is going to be hard. So I think the watchword is inclusion and um, there's an opportunity to do it right. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Simon. I appreciate it. If, if folks wanted to stay in touch with you, like maybe follow you on Twitter or something like that, where, where would they do that? So I'm just at Simon Crosby. Swim is at swim. Okay. Awesome. Perfect. Thanks, Simon. Really appreciate you being on the show. Great to speak to you. Another guest joining me today is John Teresic, and John's going to talk about his experience working remotely. John, how are you doing? Great, Scott. How are you doing today? Very well, very well. Thank you. Um, so, John, uh, tell the listeners a little about uh, about yourself. Certainly. Um, so, again, John Teresic, I've been a technology professional for about 30-odd years now, um, career ranging from startups to consulting firms to independent consulting to Fortune 500 companies. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Uh, you know, John, um, this whole work from home thing, a lot of people getting focused on it now because of, you know, health concerns and, uh, you know, I've talked with a couple other folks, uh, you know, we're putting some multiple uh, guests together for this, for this episode. And, and I appreciate you coming on the show to kind of share your experience as a, as a remote worker for, you know, quite a while. Um, if you look back over the time that you've spent as a remote worker, what would you say was your, your top challenge of being a remote worker? What was the thing that, you know, you, you really faced most as, as a, as an obstacle or a challenge? I think one thing people take for granted when they work in a typical corporate environment is that there are some time boundaries that you get used to. And when you're working remotely, the structuring time is really, really difficult sometimes because you're at home, you've got access to resources that you need, but there's nobody there to really say, hey, it's five o'clock time to hit the road or, you know, you don't see people filing out. So you tend to work a lot. And I found that when I was doing a lot of remote work and telecommuting that, you know, 10, 12 hour days were not unusual. And it was sometimes really difficult to shut off because you had so much to get done and you feel pretty productive because you're not wasting time in the car. So I think the, the time management was really, really uh, something you have to pay attention to. What, what worked well for you, John, in, in addressing that? And just as a way of validating, I, I would agree with that. I've, I've wrestled with the same thing. I've been working from home for 10 years now. And, uh, even, even today still, still, still wrestle with setting, uh, you know, healthy work boundaries, but what, what's worked for you? 
uh, well, trying to achieve that kind of personal life balance and letting those be some of the deciding gates that you need to have. So I would very specifically try to break for dinner at a certain time when everybody was home. Or I would you know, get up early and start working, but try not to turn it into late nights unless I had to do a remote conference call you know, in, a, in another geography or something like that. But you know, try to say, okay, that's it. 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock p.m., I'm done, and just walk away from it all and try not to respond to texts or uh, emails that would pop up on your phone. Uh, but that's really the only way you can handle it, because otherwise you can get sucked back into the office after everybody goes to bed and be there till 3 o'clock in the morning on a call with Taiwan. So um, you, you really have to set your own boundaries and, and do your best to adhere to them. Yeah, and especially for people working in these large multinationals, right? You know, you might wrap it up at five, but as you're wrapping it up at five, you know, APJ is just coming online, and you know, if you're not unplugging and disconnecting, that could be a, that could be a real problem. Absolutely, and that certainly happened to me in the past. Um, so you, you try to minimize that if you can, or schedule it and make sure that that's also not going to interfere with um, you know getting to a kid's basketball game or something like that. You know, you can do that call later on or do it, you know, uh, after midnight, even if it works for you, but don't let it impinge on your personal space too much. Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. Wholeheartedly agree. So John, has there been a particular, you know, tool or technology that you have found especially helpful as, as a, you know, a remote worker? Um, is it a particular piece of software or, you know, was there a, a you know, a particular, you know, desk layout or desk arrangement or, you know, what, what, what have you found that's been helpful as a remote worker? Uh, well, like most people say, especially if you're going to have uh, a home office of any kind, you know, the general answer is to have that, that dedicated space that you need. Um, I have an office at home that's set up usually better than my work office, especially from an ergonomic standpoint, uh, make sure that I'm comfortable, that I have really good equipment. Some you know, larger companies will help with that. They'll actually set up, you know, get you furniture and keyboard stands and things like that if you need them. Uh, so I try to take advantage of that. But when I'm on my own, like I am now doing consulting, um, I set up my own stuff. But my office is very comfortable. I can spend a lot of time in here and not feel fatigued and be able to have the connectivity that I need. And uh, again, just be able to set some kind of reminders. I used to use some software that would set up those little reminders, you know, to get away from your desk every hour or so, uh, that type of thing. I kind of do that on my own at this point. But it really is important, though, to uh, have, uh, I think, a really good ergonomic workspace to sit and uh, spend a lot of time in. Gotcha. That, that certainly makes sense. You want to make sure if you are going to be working from a desk like you were at the office uh, for some extended period of time that you're, you know, you're comfortable and you're appropriately um, taking care of, you know, uh, ergonomic related health concerns, you know, that you're, you're set up properly. Um, I, you know, I know a lot of folks talk about uh, sit-stand desks and I enjoy my sit-stand desk as a way to kind of break up that day of sitting around all day, you know, stand up for a while, sit down for a while, stand up for a while, sit down for a while, that kind of thing. That's absolutely the right thing to do, and I'm a little behind on getting one for my, my current office, uh, having moved into this new space recently, but that's on my list of things to acquire, and I've used them in corporate settings, too, and uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome to be able to stand up and get some work done, or to take a conference call and to put a headset on and walk around if you don't need to be staring at a screen, um, you'll get up and move around. I've actually taken some conference calls. I will set up my large screen TV to display my monitor, or as my display monitor, 
and uh, ride a uh, life cycle or do something like that. If it's if it's something I just have to listen in on and I don't really have to participate too much, you can actually get some uh, exercise in while you're working. Ah, that's a great idea. Great idea. Um, cool. So um, one one thing I do want to talk about is, uh, you know, as a remote worker, um, what have you found useful in terms of how your company has supported you as a remote worker and what have you found not useful, right? Like, and, and I'll frame the question just a little bit. And that is, you know, like sometimes, um, it's hard to build a culture of supporting remote workers because, you know, people still get so accustomed to being able to, you know, pop over the, the cube farm and ask a question or, you know, gather a quick impromptu meeting in a meeting room or something like that. And so they often forget about remote workers or resources that are available. And so I'm just curious from your own experience, you know, what should companies be looking to do to help support remote workers as the number of remote workers grows? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've seen pretty much every level of support there. So everything from this being new within the company's framework and, you know, being one of the people kind of spearheaded this, you know, remote working to seeing it globally adopted where it was almost mandatory to start to have remote workers. I think what's really important, though, and you, you really touched on this with uh, the way you framed the question, is to make sure that you are able to keep people involved. I mean, I've managed teams uh, that were just geographically distributed, and it's really important to make sure that you've got regular contact points, that you've got, you know, especially if you say you're doing an agile project, but, you know, when you're doing a stand-up, remote people can be involved in those stand-ups, too, and you need to include everybody. And as it becomes part of the work style, it's easier for all the workers involved to be able to think about that person who's sitting 3,000 miles away or in, in uh, five different time zones, you know, if you're headed the other direction. And I think the management has to do that. As a manager, I tried to do that as much as I could. But then the other piece of it, too, though, is that I think some of that falls on the workers themselves. I mean, you've, you've got to be proactive. It's, sometimes it's easy, especially if you're working on a spec or you're doing some research, to kind of sit and burrow in and not do much outbound communication. But you, you've got to send those pings out. You've, you've got to be able to have people realize that you're still there working. And just seeing your you know presence is active you know, on an email program isn't as good as sending out a quick note to say, hey, you know, I'm looking at this particular th problem. I know you've worked on this before. What do you think? And, and keep that communication open. Um, so I think it really falls on both sides of that fence. You know, the companies need to be able to support it and have the infrastructure and have the management working on that. But some of the, uh, the onus on that falls back on the employee as well. That's a great point to mention that, you know, as, as remote workers, and if you're new to the remote working, you know, sort of gig, right. Um, you have to realize that people aren't seeing you in the office every day, right. Uh, you know, that's the whole point of remote working. And, and so they need to know that you're, you know, you're still working on things. They need to know that, you know, what it is you're doing so that they don't maybe say, Hey, well, I'm going to take that on and I'm going to work on it or whatever. Right. So that, that outbound communication is really important. I'm glad you brought that up. And I think it's you know maybe something that folks struggle with because let's face it, there's a lot of introverts in, uh, in the technology space. 
Oh, absolutely. And um, and to that point, you know, I've I've done software projects remotely, and if you got these collaborative tools, like I did one project and we used Team Foundation Server, and that was actually very helpful to keep people engaged because I had people in three different geographies, but they had to check in code, they had to check in specs, and there were timeframes involved in all this, and even just seeing who's connected to that software and seeing that there's somebody you know putting in a change right now helps keep the whole team engaged. And you also don't have to worry about those introverted software engineers who maybe don't want to get on the phone every hour or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. John, thanks so much for sharing some of your own experience and your thoughts around being an effective remote worker. If somebody wanted to connect with you online, uh, you know, follow you on Twitter or whatever, uh, is there a way they could do that? Uh, yeah, um, since I have such a unique last name, um, you can find me, it's just Teresic on Twitter. Uh, T-E-R-E-S-C-I-K. And you can find me at Teresic3 on LinkedIn. Okay, great. Thanks so much for joining today, John. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Scott. It was a lot of fun. And there you have it, folks. Four different perspectives on the challenges and the benefits and uh, thoughts on working remotely, working from home. I hope that as some of you out there may be getting accustomed to this new mode of working from home that this episode and some of the insights shared in this episode are useful to you. And uh, as always, I do appreciate everyone taking the time to listen to the show. If you have a moment after you're done listening to the show to provide some feedback on the show, uh, to give us a rating or give us a referral uh, via whatever platform uh, you uh, manage to locate the show. We'd certainly appreciate that. It helps the show reach new listeners and uh, expands our reach, and we definitely appreciate that. As always, feel free to reach out to me, your host, Scott Lowe, on Twitter. I am available as at Scott underscore Lowe. And the Full Stack Journey podcast has its own Twitter account as well as at FSJ Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear um, if you like the show or even if you don't like the show and you have some suggestions for how we can improve, by all means, reach out to us and contact us. We'd love to chat with you. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.